all that good stuff. All righty, folks. So we're back in Matthew 24, particularly the abomination of desolation. We'll probably do one or two more lessons uh, on this, search it out a little bit. Uh, what's amazing is reading the Old Testament sometimes uh, when you're looking at these types of uh, uh, things in the New Testament. Because without the, you, you know, without the revelation of Christ, you'll never properly see see what God is saying. But even from a scriptural standpoint, you want to understand it. I don't think without the Old Testament, without the help of the Old Testament, and and especially you know the mindset uh, that came into the church a little bit. I've heard people say this: uh, we're we're in the new new testament or new covenant we don't need the old testament and why that's a major fallacy is real simple if you just read paul's writings he refers to old testament scripture over and over and over again okay so just apostle paul is continuously referring to the old testament scripture then when you come to Really, not then, when you come to the Lord Jesus and him coming into the earth, he's under the old covenant. He's not in the new covenant. That's, that's what people don't get to a certain degree is that, you, you know, we, we because their Bible's been divided from Old Testament and New Testament, we don't understand many times Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John may be primarily Old Testament scripture. I think, I think in John, you're, you're really getting a lot of the word of the new covenant spoken. That Not saying that it's not in Matthew, Mark, and Luke as well, but John is really a declaration of the new covenant, and Jesus is the person of the new covenant. But uh, his blood is shed and he's raised from the dead. The new covenant's really not in force. It's, it's coming and it's being declared, but it's put in force in his death, burial, and resurrection. I said this Sunday, had Jesus died on the cross and done all the miracles he did, but not raised from the dead, it would have been in force. I don't believe. So, so what made the new covenant for, forceful is Christ raised from the dead. It wasn't just that he shed his blood. He raised from the dead. And that made it in force. So when, when we read Matthew 24 and we don't read the Old Testament, we don't search the Old Testament, and we come up with ideas of what it's saying, a lot of that can be because we haven't searched the Old Testament. You know, So we don't know what Isaiah says. We don't know what Jeremiah says. We don't know what Proverbs says. We, we don't know what all these scriptures say in regards to the word abomination okay so so just uh, and we all have a 
Strong's or everybody in this meeting should have a Strong's concordance or, or a computer where they can get a Strong's concordance uh, at their fingertip. And they can go and search the word abomination and start reading abomination. And it's all through the Old Testament. So when you say the abomination of desolation, let's, let's just go read. We're going to read Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And what those say about the abomination of desolation. So let's just go there. Let's go to Matthew first. And verse 15, Matthew 24, 15. When therefore you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let him that reads or readeth understand. Then let them that are in Judah flee into the mountains of Judea. Let him that is on the housetop not go down to take out the things that are in his house. And let him that is in the field not return back to take his cloak. But woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. And pray you that your flight be not in winter, neither on a Sabbath. For then shall be great tribulation such as, such as have not been from the beginning of the world unto now. No, nor ever shall be. And except those days would have been shortened, no flesh would have been saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Now, now I used to read this, verse 22, and, and think that except for the elect's sake, no flesh is going to be saved. And I used to apply that right now. You know, that there, you know, kind of would, would even probably preach things. There's coming a day. When no flesh will be saved except for the elect's sake. Now, the problem with that is, is Jesus refers back to Daniel the prophet. Okay. And then Daniel the prophet studying out Jeremiah. <laughs> so, so, that, so that should kind of give us an idea that maybe Daniel and Jeremiah are saying something that we should understand. And you and you say, well, I'm in Christ. Why do I understand this? Why should I even bother to spend the time to understand this? And I, and I said this before. One, Jesus said it. So, so the fact that Jesus come along and begin to say these things, we should take heed to them. Okay. That should be number one. Now, everything he said is probably not in your Bible. I guarantee you it's not in your Bible. Because John said all the miracles he did, if, if there wouldn't be room in books to contain all the miracles he did. So, so with that thought in place, probably everything he said is not there either. Okay. Now, what's in the Bible then would be very important, maybe critical to understand. And, and the reason you understand this is fulfilled is you, you're, you're now operating from a place of fulfillment instead of a place of dread. You know, you're not looking at this as a coming thing. You're looking at this as what's already been fulfilled. And, and I'll make this statement again. I believe it has to be taken out of our heart. I don't believe it's just fulfilled naturally. I think there's a... There's an idea that there's just a natural fulfillment, and I think that idea is not correct. 
I believe, I believe it is naturally fulfilled. But to say there is only a natural fulfillment, I believe it has to be fulfilled in you. You have to know it. You have to perceive it. You have to understand it. And, and that is part of your relationship with the Lord, with your walk with God. Okay. Now, one of the scriptures I use to kind of say this is there's be some standing here shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom come or the son of man coming in his glory. I can't remember exactly how it says that, but there'll be some standing here that shall not taste of death. And, and then the apostle John, uh, from my understanding, didn't taste of death till all the things were fulfilled. Natural death. Okay. Now, what I, what I say to you and I is we do not taste of death till we see this. His death. As we begin to taste of his death, his death begins to be made real. What does it mean to taste? I begin to perceive it, understand it. It begins to be a part of my being. I die with Christ. But I, but I don't get it till I see the kingdom coming, the Son of Man coming in his glory, you, you know, till that revelation of him comes into my heart. Okay, so so now when we look at this, this is why this is so important to understand in Mark. Mark's gospel, Mark 13, Mark says almost the same thing. Verse 14. So when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it should not be, let the reader understand then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go back inside to retrieve anything from his house. And let no one in the field return for his cloak. How miserable those days will be for pregnant and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not occur in the winter. For those days will be days of tribulation unmatched from the beginning of God's creation unto now, and never to be seen again. If the Lord had not cut short those days, nobody would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, whom he have chosen, he has cut them short. Hmm. That's how Mark says it. Now, now flip over to Luke 21. Luke 21 says, but verse 20, Luke 21, 20, give you a moment. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, you will know that her desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let, let those in the city get out and let those in the country stay out of the city. For these are the days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Now, this to me is just powerful what he says. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, you will know that her desolation is near. Jerusalem. Okay. And these are the days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. What Jesus said, all that was written testified of him. Okay. Did he not? 
Yes, he did. He said, sir, you search the law and the prophet and you think you have life, but these testify me. And when he comes to the scene, he says, these are the days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. So everything written in the law and prophets had to be fulfilled. And they couldn't be fulfilled to Jesus came. It was not possible. And so in Luke, there, there's, there's actually a hint. I believe it's in Luke. It's in Mark or Luke. I'll tell you in a minute. I didn't look this up, so I have to, uh, to look it up. So give me a moment to find it. But I believe it's in, in uh, St. Luke, where I want where they're looking, you, you know, at the wise men. It's either Mark, Matthew, I said Mark, Matthew or Luke. And uh, Herod is, is uh, looking to the wise men. Why was he looking to the wise men? Does anybody know? Okay, well, you can't answer me, you're on mute. Uh, why he was looking to the wise men was, again, Daniel's prophecy, the 70 weeks prophecy, because it was, it was according to the time, okay? The time was, was coming that the Christ should be born, and I believe that's even why he killed the babies two years and younger. So he was trying to, you know, get rid of, the Christ, because the prophets declared one was coming. It, and this is probably a man that doesn't even believe in God or believe in Christ. He probably believes in, in gods or pagan gods or idols or so forth, but probably not in the true and living God. But here he's looking at kind of the scripture, probably like a soothsayer or something like that, or, you know, to understand the times and the seasons and the years. And and, and, you know, this is, the, this is about the time that Christ should come. So let's kill all the children, you know, consult the wise men. And the wise men are, are looking at, I believe, the, you know, Daniel's prophecy to talk to the king or the governor or whatever he was. Because, because you know, he, he's concerned. So, so these things don't enter our minds sometimes. We don't consider, why, why does it say it? It doesn't just say it. <laughs> no, the Bible doesn't just say things. It's not filler. It's not just added there. And I said it was in Luke or Matthew, uh, and I've already talked about it, so I may not find it here, but you can, you can find it and read it and look at look at this thing and kind of consider it from that standpoint that that there's more to this uh with Herod than just that may just meet her eye there's more to it there's more there there's 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 more to understand See, you see, I've had it, Matthew 2. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and are come to worship him. 
When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of people together, he demanded them where Christ should be born. Well, well, how are they telling him where Christ should be born? From the scripture. So they're looking at the scripture to understand where Christ should be born. And they said, Bethlehem and Judea, for, for it is written in the prophets. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. When did this star come? So, so he's looking at them, and there's an expectation, I believe. So, so with Daniel, it, when you get into the book of Daniel, Daniel's in expectation that the 70 years of Jeremiah are coming to an end. So Daniel's searching diligently the prophets, the word of God. And he's in an expectation that the fulfillments come. And so he, he begins to have these great visitations of the Lord. He's a, he's a man of revelation. God is, is really working in Daniel's uh, heart and mind. If you go back and read uh, Daniel, so Daniel's, setting his heart and his mind to the Lord, and the Lord is, is revealing these great things that are coming up on the land, upon uh, Judah, and you come to Daniel 9, and, and the 70 weeks are determined upon this people. 77s. We talked about this last week. 77s. For, what's 77s? 490 years is, uh, is determined. It's going to come. It's it's going to happen to accomplish these things. So when Jesus says that all that all the things written would be accomplished, would it not include these things? You know, going back to what we read in Luke, did he say all things are is, is the time for all things to be accomplished? To fulfill all that is written. For these are the days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Well, if it's the days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written, when I go to Daniel and he tells you 70 weeks are determined upon, my, uh, upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity and bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision of the prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until Unto the Messiah shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again, the wall, even in troublous time, and after threescore and two weeks shall the Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end thereof will be with the flood. Now, if I again, if I go back and read Luke, and I, where I'm reading, for these are the days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. How miserable those days will be for pregnant nursing mothers, for there will be great, great distress upon the land and wrath against the people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led captive into the nations. And Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentiles until the times that the Gentiles are fulfilled. Until it's taken place, until it's complete. That's what, that's what he's saying. This is the time 
that's been spoken in the prophets. And Jesus tells them in Matthew 23, and I keep bringing this to our mind, that now your house has left you desolate. Okay. It's over. And, and I said last week, what do most of the Jews do? They just keep doing what they've been doing. You know, because they have eyes, they see not, ears, they hear not. They have that uh, spirit of stupor put up on them uh, that's, that's spoken of in the Old Covenant. So, so here the Jews are just continuing what they're doing. Same old thing. Same rituals. Even though there's a man walking the shores of Galilee, healing the sick, raising the dead, fulfilling everything the prophets declared that was coming. Now, now, I don't know that we really get the gravity of this, of how dull of heart man can be. Because here's a Jewish people, a people that, that, were, that are called the people of God, right? And who have, to some degree, maybe even known the scripture to some degree. Some of them, maybe not. But most of them grew up in kind of Judaism religion. And the scripture told them this Messiah is going to come and he's going to, he's going to do all these things. He's going to heal the sick. He's going to raise the dead. He's going to cleanse lepers. All, all, all these miraculous works are going to come from this man. He's going to speak the words of God. And they're hearing a man that's never have they heard a man spoke like this before. He comes speaking with authority. Even devils obey. Now, you would think the high priests and everyone there would say, this is the Christ. And maybe some of them even thought this is the Christ, but we can overthrow him. Maybe they did. Based on some of the things Jesus says to them in the Gospels, you, you know, now your kingdom, now your kingdom's taken you and given to someone bearing the fruits thereof. When he goes through and he talks about how they killed the prophets and then God, and then, then that God sends his son. I don't think it says God, but you know, the parable, he sends his son. And what do they want to do to the son? Well, they're going to kill the son too. Well, what is the, the master going to do to those that kill the son too? Well, he will come in and destroy them. They perceive that Jesus was speaking to them. So maybe in their heart, they thought they could overthrow the Messiah. Overthrow God. You think man is, is, is that uh, arrogant in himself? I believe he is. That he believes he can even change God, change outcomes. But God has spoken all this, so it's going to happen. So now, and, and I don't know how long I've been, longer than I, uh, now you come into this abomination of desolation. And, and we begin to look at, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, Jesus is on the scene. You, you know, God's word is being fulfilled. 
And it's getting ready to, to happen just like the prophets say. So when I start looking at the word abomination, I go into the Old Testament and I come to 2 Chronicles 36, 11. It says, Zedekiah was one and 20 years old when he began to reign and reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord his God and humbled not himself at before Jeremiah the prophet, speaking from the mouth of the Lord. And he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar who had made him swear by God, but he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart from turning unto the Lord turning from turning unto the Lord God of Israel. So he hardened his heart. He didn't want to turn to the Lord God. Moreover, all the chief priests and the people transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen and polluted the house of the Lord, which he hallowed in Jerusalem. And probably to understand the abominations that they were polluting the house of the Lord with, we'd have to go read more of Chronicles, Kings, and the Old Testament, right? So, so if you start studying this abomination out, there, there's abominable acts that is, is described in Leviticus, is described in multiple places in the Old Testament, but a, a lot of the, uh, the word abomination deals with idol worship, with, with doing the things of the pagans, of the Canaanites, of the people in the land that God told them when they entered the land, don't do these things. Don't follow after them. Don't, don't worship their gods. Don't marry their daughters. Don't do this. So, so the Israelites, well, they do. They harden their heart from the word of God. And they do it anyway. They become calloused on the inside. To what? To the word of God, to the instruction of the Lord. And they go in and they do it, and they, they begin to practice. If you read the Old Testament, see, so there's this mentality uh, uh, that's in Christianity that the Jews were just kind of going along, going along, doing the things of God. And it's like, no, they weren't. They hadn't done the things of God. If you read the Old Testament for years, they were building idols on in every high place. When I go read the Bible, that's the problem reading the Bible. <laughs> so, so, so you find out they weren't just doing the things of God. They weren't just, move, you, you know, we're not a Judeo-Christian group of people. I, I, people say that we're, we're Judeo. No, you're not. You're the body of Christ. You're not Judeo-Christians. So, so you, you come along and you see the chaos that, Jeru that the Jews had caused because they hardened their heart to the word of God. They caused chaos throughout Jerusalem. God even told them in places the earth's going to spew you out. The earth's going to get rid of you. Just, just, just like it did with Canaanites and so on and so forth. It, it's in the scripture is my point. That's what I want to tell you. It's in the scripture. So the abominable acts of idol worship was going on throughout Jerusalem. So when you see the abomination of desolation, maybe the, the completion of that was the Romans standing at the holy place with their idols. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's, like I said last week, it's the Jews continuing to offer their offerings after Christ has 
been crucified. Maybe it's both of them. Maybe it's all of them. Because here you have in the old covenant a people that continue to follow idols. Jeremiah 8. Flip to Jeremiah 8. Jeremiah 8 is, uh, is probably, in understanding this, probably very, very important. Jeremiah 8, 1 says, At that time, saith the Lord, they shall bring out the bones of the king of Judah and the bones of princes and the bones of priests and the bones of the prophets and the bones of the inhabitants of Jerusalem out of their graves. And they shall spread them before the sun and the moon and all the host of heaven whom they have loved. Look at this. What, who have they loved? The sun, the moon, and the host of heaven. Who did God tell them not to worship? The sun, the moon, and the host of heaven. Whom they loved, whom they had served, and after whom they walked, and whom they had sought, and whom they have worshipped. They shall not be gathered, nor be buried. They shall be fordone upon the face of the earth. And death shall be chosen rather than life by all the residue of them that remain of this evil family, which remain in all the places whither I have driven them, saith the Lord of hosts. Moreover, thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, shall they fall and not arise? Shall he turn away and not return? Why then is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by perpetual backsliding? They hold fast deceit. They refuse to return. I, I hearken and heard, but they spake not aright. No man repented him of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? Everyone turned to his course as the horse rushes into battle. Yea, the stork in heaven knoweth her appointed times, and the turtle and the crane and the swallow, and the swallow observed the time of their coming. But my people know not the judgment of the Lord. Now, what does this sound like when you listen to Jerusalem? or to Jesus talking to Jerusalem there in uh, Matthew 24, Luke, Gospel, and Mark, what's recorded. That's it. They don't know the judgment of the Lord. When you see Jerusalem combats with armies, it is nigh even at the door. And that's what he said, but my people don't know. Her appointed time, Stork knows it. The turtle knows it. <laughs> Look at that. How do you say we are wise and the law of the Lord is with us? Lo, certainly in vain made he it. The pen of the scribes is in vain. The wise men are ashamed. They're dismayed and taken low. They have rejected the word of the Lord and what wisdom is in them. Therefore, will I give their wives unto others and their fields to them that shall inherit them for every one from the least, even unto the greatest is given to covetousness from the prophet, even unto the priest. Everyone deals falsely, for they, for they have healed the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? No, they were not all ashamed. Neither could they blush, therefore shall they fall among them that fall. In the time of their visitation, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. All right. Now let's flip back over to Luke. Keep in mind the time of their visitation. Go to Luke 1940. 
Luke 1940. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you, if these should hold a piece, the stones would immediately cry out. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, if they had known, even thou, at least in this day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round capacity around and keep thee in on every side and they shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because what thou knewest not the time of thy visitation what did they not know why didn't they know it? Because their hearts were hardening unto the Lord. That's why. They had turned their hearts from Jehovah. Abomination. If you, if, you, if you take that word and you look at the book of Deuteronomy, you'll see abomination, abomination, abomination. In some translations, it's, it's uh, interpreted as a detestable thing. The abomination, and there were abominations other than the false idols, but most of those things probably came out of having another God. Because if I have no other God, you know, thou shalt have no other gods before me. I even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no other, he says. So when, when man, when, when they had another God before them, all these things were allowed in. Now, we probably think in the New Covenant that can't happen. We probably think all these things can't come in. Well, these are some things to consider. I'm not trying to go into gloom and doom or anything like that, because as you know, I believe Jesus conquered everything. But our hearts have to be toward him. Okay. Our hearts have to be aligned with the Lord in this covenant. So the abomination, much of the abomination that had, had taken place in, in Israel, and I'll have to probably dig more into this and make it clear, is the idol worship. <laughs> Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, him only, you know, this is the law. I know what I'm, I'm talking about tonight but their hearts turned from the law, what God had told them to do, to everything else. Well, let's enjoy the Canaanites, you know, place of worship. God wasn't too pleased. He said, I am a jealous God. <laughs> He's God. Okay. He's God from a creation standpoint. He's God. So, so here that comes and you fast forward to Jesus time and God had declared all that up on them and it had to come to pass. Now we come into the new covenant. We've come into the victory that Christ 
has given us. And many of God's dear people don't understand the victory they have. They're not hearing the Lord. They're their heart may not be toward him, or maybe it's just because of the understanding of the teachers. I don't want to judge God's people. But we've moved out of a covenant that they were in, and that's why we need to know this is fulfilled. That covenant is completely fulfilled, and we need to understand that Jesus is the author of the new covenant. He did it himself. It's in his blood. He administers it himself. He raised from the dead. He's the administrator of his own covenant. Hallelujah. So, so what he did, we need to know. So we're not, looking, we're not looking for these things to happen. But out of relationship, we're looking to walk in the good of the land of the Lord. Walk in the land of the living. That's what we're looking to do. Well, if I don't know I'm in the land of the living, how am I going to walk in it? If I think I'm in doom and despair, I, I'm going to probably walk in doom and despair, right? I know Brother Dale and Brother Jimmy probably know some of these scriptures better, but as a man thinketh, right? So, so if I understand what's in Christ, understanding is going to create how you think. Do you know that? If I have an understanding in my heart, then I'm going to think out of that understanding. So if the understanding in my heart is Christ, then I'm going to think. I'm going to consider him. I'm going to consider that I'm in the land of the living, that the land of the living is living in him. I'm in Mount Zion. I've come to the most holy place. I'm going to really consider that. And I'm going to share it. And God's dear people need to know both sides of this. They need to know how it's fulfilled. Because, because the, the gap out here, to a certain degree, is, is, is here we are, these deep life people. And we tell them it's all fulfilled. But we can't show them scripturally how it's fulfilled. What was the abomination? How did it, what was affected? How are you in this victorious living? Okay. So when I begin to see it in the scripture, I'll begin to search the Lord to reveal it in my heart. To know it, to understand it. So, so what do we rely on to see it in the scripture? I rely on the Lord. You know, I, I'm going to close here, but I'm going to say some things, and they're, they're, and they're more of instructional things. What I rely on more than anything is the Lord himself. Now, I read commentaries from time to time. I read what other people said. I tried to sit down and read a whole bunch of stuff before tonight, last night, today, this evening, this afternoon. And it's like, it's like sometimes it just won't work. I have all this stuff. Found this. I've read a part of it. I read, you, you know, uh, a page or so. And it just inside, I'm like, ah, it just doesn't feel right. And, and, and then the Lord will just speak something in my heart. 
And when he speaks something in my heart, I'll begin to search. I'll begin to look. And that speaking will, for me, it'll give me more than all the other stuff. I'm telling you, there's some great ministers. And they have some great understanding, some great things to share. But the speaking of the Lord to your own heart. And then taking and searching what he says. So he began to speak to me about the word abomination. or put it, or put it in my heart and mind. And I began to look it up. And I was like, oh, there, there, Lord, there, Lord. It's in the scripture. And, and, and then the clarity begins to come by the Spirit of God. You begin to have clarity. Because that's relationship. You're relying on him, see. You're, you're putting your affections up on him. You're, you're, you're expecting the Lord to teach you. Now, now that's how God deals in me. Is he'll say, sometimes he'll just say a couple things. Sometimes he'll say a lot. But once he says it, I guess the, the thing I'd say is I go after it. I begin to look at it. And, and it builds an understanding in my heart. And that understanding, I believe, is to you know, as, as like I said, as a man thinketh, as, you, you know, because the heart is filled with the understanding of the Lord. And so the mind is going to think that way. Anyway, probably more to say here. Uh, I'll stop here tonight. I pray this uh, is edifying to you. I'm probably going to jump off here early tonight. Sorry if I've been too long. God bless you. And thank you all so very, very much. God bless you.